Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Space. Some regions are vast and empty, other areas we call closets. Fortunately, Kevin from the Container Store has answers. Hmm, right. Kevin, what gives you the power over space? I'd say Alpha Customizable Closets. With free design and Alpha's adjustable shelving and drawers, I can create space in any size closet. Kevin, master of space and closets. Or just Kevin. Plus, right now, save 30% on Alpha and installation and earn up to $500 in credit through February 10th. At the Container Store, where space comes from. Where is that music coming from? You are listening to SPN, the Sports Podcasting Network. Welcome to Scuderia F1, the podcast that's always up to speed with the latest Formula One news. Follow us on Twitter at Scuderia F1 Pod and subscribe to the show on iTunes and Stitcher. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Daly and Kevin Laramay. Hello, Formula One fans, and welcome to this week's edition of Scuderia F1, the podcast that is always up to speed with Formula One racing. Mark Daly here, and I'm joined by Kevin Laramie. And Kevin, there could be some potentially breaking news this morning on the 19th of October, by the time that this show gets released, because it's been heavily rumored over the past 24 hours that despite all the drama over the past several years, that uh, Fernando Alonso and McLaren may actually be getting together to renew their contract for 2018 and beyond. Well, Fernando had a chance to see the specs for next year, had a chance to see the simulation with the Renault engine compared to the Honda engine for next year. I've seen the, the maybe the potential of this car. And he said, well, you know, I don't have a lot of other options anyways, so I might as well just re-sign with McLaren for 2018. Well, it it really isn't uh, too much of a surprise. Like you say, Fernando didn't really have a lot of options. I I wonder how much of a serious effort was made or how how much he actually looked at racing an IndyCar for next year. But when you look around the Formula One grid, there, like you say, there weren't really too many other choices for him. And also from the flip side... Fernando, of course, has a connection with Renault. He won two world championships with them. I've, uh, of course, that was about a dozen years ago, mind you. But still, it makes sense. And uh, Renault has slowly but surely been improving in their Formula One program, not only with their, their works team, but with their engine. So it just kind of makes sense. And I, I guess also when the, the music stopped playing that uh, Renault was about the going to land in the McLaren chair, whatever happened. But the, the other side of the story in this whole kind of complicated engine swap deal, because of course, Renault was supplying the Toro Rosso team. So they're basically swapping Hondas for Renaults and going from, from one team to another is that uh, Toro Rosso is actually quite excited to have Honda engines for 2018, because for the first time in their history, they will actually have a works engine supply. And of course, over the past several years, they have had Renault engines, but they've been customer Renault. So not really the top Renault engine that uh, that they could have. So you can see why everybody seems to be excited. And I believe also that uh, McLaren was saying some of their, their top officials that the whole relationship with uh, McLaren and Honda was likened to a struggling marriage with irre- irreconcilable differences. There, I, I hope I yeah. said that correctly, but, no, but, it, but it that's really exactly, was. That's exactly how it feels, like a couple that had way too many and maybe one too big of a fight. And you can't really get back from it. Maybe that's how it feels. And it's like an agony now because you know it's going to end. You just got to finish the season. Just get through the next few Grand Prix and you'll be all backed up and moving on each other. Like moving on each other on separate ways and never seeing each other again probably. But the next few months will still be difficult. Well, definitely, because uh, McLaren want to finish the season on a bit of a high note. And Fernando's even said that he believes that they can return to the points once they get to to Austin this weekend. And, 
Well, <laughs> I, I'm always a little bit skeptical because they they haven't really been able to prove it all the time. And obviously they've struggled, uh, well, I mean, for a very, very long time, excuse me, with their, their uh, Honda engine. So I wish them well. But uh, of course, I think also from the flip side of that, that Hondas want to finish up strongly with McLaren because it's been so... It's been such a tragic relationship, really. And they, they had a long-term contract. Wasn't it supposed to be to, like, 2024 or something like that? I mean, this was the first year. Oh, yeah, there was an out clause for this yes. year. But, uh, yeah, I think uh, you're right. I think it was at least for another three, if not four years, yeah. Yeah, so they're going to want to finish uh, this season on, on a bit of a high note. So, well, we'll wait and see what happens. But there's definitely uh, quite a few th- interesting things going on, uh, especially around some of the other teams in, in Formula One. So let's start a little bit with um, the team that we've already mentioned, and that's uh, Toro Rosso. So no Pierre Gasly this weekend at uh, the U.S. Grand Prix in Austin. Well, because he'll be uh, contesting the championship finale of uh, the Super Formula in Japan. So he won't be there. So I guess just by default, Danny Kvyat will come back. <laughs> like, because... All right, Danny, we, we kind of need a driver. So come back for, for a weekend and then we'll probably just get rid of you again. Well, it's interesting, too, because over the course of the year that there have some comments have been made that they seem fairly pleased with him, or at least publicly they were saying all the right things. But obviously, I, I think that maybe his stock has slowly been declining after that that sharp dip it took last year when he was demoted from the Red Bull senior team back down to Toro Rosso and has never really been able to recapture Anything that I, I think that really put him to prominence and got that number two seat next to, to Danny Ricardo, but so he'll be back this uh, this weekend, and then also beside him for Toro Rosso will be uh, New Zealander Brendan Hartley, who won Le Mans this year. So th- this is kind of interesting. He was a former Red Bull junior driver. And he did have a testing experience with Red Bull, but this is in 2009, so quite some some time ago. So he's going to, to get a, a chance to go on, what with uh, uh, Carlos Sainz going over to Renault and no more Jolly and Palmer, which is it, it's actually kind of, yep. it, it's strange to see these sort of sh- moves uh, around with the drivers. You, you typically, yeah, well, so late in the season, especially, like, I, I know that teams are always looking towards next year and uh, with cars and development and, and drivers. And I mean, of course, they're, they're, they, they have to because you have to look at uh, things like uh, people's contracts and who you want to drive for your team and things like that. But I don't ever remember seeing situations like this. I mean, of course, occasionally you're going to have a driver that isn't able part- to participate because maybe they've had a crash and they're 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 recovering from that. But th- this sort of musical chairs is very unusual. How bad was the relationship deteriorated between Julian Palmer and Renault to make sure that he's replaced this quickly? Uh, just a few weeks ago, it was said that, no, we'll, we'll, we'll keep signs till the end of the season. Then he'll come to Renault. And lo and behold, now it's done. And Saints is already with Renault. Yeah, and that uh, Julian Palmer situation is another funny one, too, because I I know it took him a very long time to score his first points with Renault, but again, very much like with Toro Rosso and Danny Kvyat, Renault were saying quite, you know, some some positive things about him. They, They did say earlier in the year that... He needed to to really start making his mark and and starting to score some points because he had the car to had the car to do so. But even afterwards, I think when Silverstone, when the the car just died on him, when he was going to the uh, to, around to the starting grid, I really thought that he was going to uh, sort of stick with the team because they 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 were really apologetic in the press. And they they were, I mean, fairly complimentary that he was doing well and all those sorts of things. So, well, he's sort of done. And I think along with like Danny Kvyat, I think it's probably best for these teams to to make a clean break. You know, I think it just works better for everybody. I mean, if it's not working out for these drivers, it's not working out for the team. Just get everybody into a new situation, just uh, move forward. So... It's going to be kind of interesting uh, to see like some of these guys that uh, are sort of coming in. I mean, of course, uh, Gasly has done very well and uh, been quite impressive in the first couple of races in Formula One. So what we see from Hartley, that's a good question. And then even uh, around in the the Formula One paddock, there's other things going on. Williams, I I mean, obviously something's going to happen there. I mean... I I think that it's probably going to be Felipe Massa that's not going to come back. Would you suspect? I think so because, uh, well, the the money that comes with 
Lance Stroll, obviously. Yeah. But uh, if you're looking at like Massa, they because of the late Valtteri Bottas to Mercedes decision last year, you kind of were left with not a lot of time left to hire a driver. So you needed someone that was a that knew the surroundings, that knew the environment, that knew the people that could adapt very quickly. And oh well, let's just call back Felipe and let put him to work again. But this time around, like uh, there's the Robbie Kubica, and then today Paul DeResta as well uh, tested extensively uh, in practice in Hungary. So for Williams, you know, have the option of maybe Kubica, maybe DeResta, with maybe a Lance Stroll. Lance Stroll has proven over the last few Grand Prix that he can hang with Massa and beat Massa almost every weekend now. So you have that option, and in the championship, in the drivers' championship, uh, that they're almost equal. So Lance Stroll has proven recently that if it wasn't for the bad luck he had in the beginning of the season, he would have been better than Massa almost throughout the season. Well, he also had that very impressive podium finish at the uh, Azerbaijan Grand Prix. And like you say, had he had not some uh, bad luck at the beginning of the year, and of course, he had to join Formula One in one of the most... Uh, biggest transitional years in the history of the sport with the regulations that came into effect uh, for for this year because I mean he did struggle quite a bit especially during the winter testing in in Barcelona just keeping the 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 car on the track but it it took him a little while to find his speed and and I think really find his footing in Formula One but yeah I mean like you say I mean in in recent times I mean he's hung right there with uh, Felipe Massa or stayed in front of him and uh, I think that obviously that uh, the the Williams car, the FW40, is really underwhelmed and really disappointed this year. But I mean, if you just sort of take that away from the, the, the situation, just compare them relative to one another, I think they're very evenly matched. And uh, it, it might be kind of cool to watch Lance racing with uh, another guy. Because I mean, all fairness, I mean, Mass has been there, done that. I mean, he's what, 35, 36 now. So I mean, he's at the tail end of his career. If you get a younger driver in there that uh, maybe not quite as uh, young as Lance, obviously, but uh, a, a proven driver, say like a, a DeResta or a uh, Robert Kubica, it, it might be kind of cool to see uh, what, what those two uh, two drivers could do. But I think that Kubica is interesting. And I, I really have a feeling that we might see him in Formula One next year because there's, you know, that old saying that uh, where there's smoke, there's fire. And I mean, he's had uh, quite a number of tests now. So, I mean, there are teams that are really seriously looking at him. I mean, Red was an option uh, for a while there until this whole thing with McLaren played out and then uh, Carlos Sainz ended up uh, going to Renault but he did out of a couple of tests uh, for them uh, over the summer I mean he was driving what was a 2012 or 2013 spec car but still Uh, yeah I I mean he was was 2014 but yes yeah yes yeah so it wasn't the newest spec but uh, regardless I mean he was still putting in some very respectable and very competitive lap times and it wasn't like he was going out for 15 or 20 laps I mean he was doing like I can't remember how many hundreds of miles, but uh, he was doing at least 125 laps or something like that. So substantive uh, testing session. So that will be very fascinating to watch. And then, of course, Paul DeResta, who we're all very familiar with, uh, watching him as uh, an analyst and uh, and an expert commentator on uh, on Sky Sports. But he was called into act, into action at the Hungarian Grand Prix this summer when Felipe Massa uh, was uh, had that was a dizziness and was unable to participate in the Grand Prix. And I mean, he literally found the morning <laughs> thereof because I remember turning on to watch the Grand Prix, and uh, I just sort of caught the, the the tail end of the discussion of or the the news that was breaking that uh, DeResta was going to be filling in for Massa. And I was just kind of uh, really taken by. I was like, "Wait, what? How did how did this all happen?" And I thought that he did uh, pretty good because uh, considering that uh, he, I mean, he is Williams' reserve driver, but he hadn't really had very many miles, if any at all. I mean, he's probably had simulator time and stuff like that. But the fact that uh, he was able to to go out and qualify, and uh, you know, he, I mean, he was he was faster than a couple of guys. He wasn't dead last as you might expect, and you know, all the the, the while considering that. He had uh, didn't have a proper equipment that really fit him. I think the the boots that they found him were a couple of sizes too small, and sadly his weekend came to a bit of a disappointing end because in the race itself he uh, he had to retire the car. But uh, th- that's an interesting one as well. So I mean the signs are there. So w- whether it will be Lance Stroll and somebody else or Felipe Massa and somebody else, we'll wait and see. But I, I think it's pretty safe to say that um, that our suspicions are that it will be Felipe Massa that won't be at Williams next year. 
No, no, exactly. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit now, Kevin, about the U.S. Grand Prix that's coming up uh, this weekend. And as is typically American, they're going to have a very impressive line of stars uh, that are going to be there for the uh, for the for the Grand Prix. Usain Bolt, the eight time Olympic gold medalist, will actually be the fellow that is going to be given the honor of um, the starting the race on the the weekend. So there are going to be a lot of musical acts and the Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders are going to be there. So they're really going to put the the, the spectacle into the the, the race in uh, their their own way. And it could be a very pivotal. Well, I guess all the weekends have been pivotal, but I guess a, a deciding weekend because with uh, the way that things have really shaken down since the summer break, you have Lewis Hamilton leading the Drivers' Championship now with 306 points. Poor old Sebastian Vettel that just can't finish a Grand Prix now <laughs> for loved or money and uh, not really through his own fault. You is, know what, Mark? Uh, trailing so far behind now. I mean, he's literally a speck in Lewis's rearview mirror. Lewis Hamilton can clinch the championship this weekend. If he wins and Sebastian Vettel finishes six or lower, well, Hamilton wins the championship. Yeah. I I really can't see that even for some reason that uh, that that things don't go Lewis's way and and Vettel finally manages to have a like a good race and it is not forced to retire for mechanical reasons or an accident or something like that he's going to need the the kind of luck that Lewis has benefited from in the the past couple of months over the last couple of races here because I mean I, I think really obviously since the summer break things have really gone Mercedes way and especially Lewis's way and you can see that now. I mean, he's 306 points compared to 247 for Sebastian Vettel. And the only way that that Vettel can really hope to get back into the fight and, and really have a hope of winning the championship himself, or at least giving Lewis a, a run for his money and taking it down to the wire in Abu Dhabi at the end of next month, is if Lewis doesn't finish a couple of races and Vettel's able to win a couple. Because, I mean, the, the gap now is just, it, it's way too big. I mean, it's what, almost 60 points now? Fifty-nine. So fifty-nine. So it, it's it's unlikely. I mean, of course, say Lewis doesn't finish in in the, the USA, doesn't finish in Mexico, and Vettel by some miracle manages to win both of those, and all of a sudden you go into the last couple of races of the year, and he's trailing by by nine points. But the likeliness of that actually happen happening is going to be, I think, astronomical. Uh, I think that obviously the big turnaround for Mercedes this year was at Monaco. Because when they rolled into your hometown of Montreal, Quebec, for the Canadian Grand Prix in June, that the signs were there. I mean, uh, Lewis had um, a phenomenal uh, qualifying session, which he seems to do week in and week out. It's impressive. I mean, he's smashing track records left, right, and center. And and I think that was obviously one of the ones that uh, really was a, a turnaround for Mercedes. I mean, he got pole position there. He, he equaled Ayrton Senna's pole positions, uh, the, the career best. He won the race, and it's pretty much been more... The, the balance has been tipped in the fa- favor of Mercedes since then, and Ferrari, sadly, have been struggling basically that whole time. I mean, they've had their moments, well, but they uh, had definitely... Bad luck. It wasn't yeah. all their fault, but they weren't able to take advantage when they could have. You just go back to Singapore, where they had the opportunity of starting in front and not having... Uh, Lewis Hamilton or Bottas in their way and they squeeze Verstappen and take each other out and lost opportunity there and there's been many occasions over the last two months where this was the case and yeah like Total Wolf said it is down to obsessive attention to detail for the Mercs but it is down to a bit of bad luck and uh, unfortunate decisions by Ferrari. Yeah, well, I guess that you could make the argument that uh, it's, I mean, luck is a part of it, but I mean, Mercedes was perfectly poised to take advantage of uh, the situation when it uh, it worked out in their favor. I mean, Lewis still had to win that uh, race in Singapore when it was a bit tricky. I mean, obviously it rained beforehand. I mean, he's, he's a very, very good driver in the wet, but of course, not only did the two Ferraris take themselves out at the start there, the one guy that would have been a huge threat to Lewis in the wets was uh, was Max Verstappen. And unfortunately, he found himself the filling in a uh, sorry in a Ferrari sandwich, 
And all of a sudden, Lewis, who was starting fourth, is now found himself promoted to the front of the race with uh, no real challengers. I mean, you'd have to think that at that point, that if, say, he was being pushed by his own teammate, uh, Valtteri Botas, that perhaps there's a quiet radio message or two telling uh, Botas to stick behind so Lewis can uh, get the maximum points. I mean, team orders is always a thing in, in Formula One, even if they're set or not, it's probably implied one way or another. I mean, if you know your pecking order in the team. But uh, then again, I mean, just the unfortunate reliability problems that uh, Ferrari have had. And and, and, and this is something that's uh, completely new, at least in uh, in this year. I mean, they had a couple of mechanical problems uh, during the season last year. But in 2016, the big criticism about Ferrari was more about strategy and tactics and when they're pitting their cars and, and things that were happening on the track. I know that Vettel had uh, the problem where his engine blew on the the warm-up lap in Bahrain, and Kimi Raikkonen's engine blew up uh, just so either before or after the restarts from the uh, that big pause in the race at the the Australian Grand Prix after Alonso had that epic smash uh, sort of a third of the way through the Grand Prix. So, I mean, it, it's not unheard of, but it's just the, the problems that they've had in recent races and the fact that Raikkonen wasn't able to make it to the grid and then Vettel and just all these mechanical things. It's just, it's really quite extraordinary. And that it just goes to show you. Wasn't it? It I, was, yes. With hindsight, you know, um, you just mentioned it. I was like, yeah, can you believe a Ferrari is not even able to start the race? It's embarrassing. Well, it, was, it was. I mean, it was so strange to see that second spot on the grid vacated by Kimi Raikkonen. You see Lewis, and then you see the spot there, and you just kind of think, wow, when was the last time that this happened? You you might expect to see something like that happening in Formula One, but you wouldn't For expect McLaren, it. If you're McLaren, you're expecting it, especially yeah. if you're McLaren Honda, but not if you're Ferrari. Exactly. You wouldn't expect it from, from a big major team like Ferrari. And of, of course, <laughs> that's exactly what's happened. So, I mean, a lot of the problems that they have had over the past two months or so, I mean, a lot of them have been self-inflicted. A lot of them have just been unfortunate. But the whole, like the end result is still the same. It all adds up and it's all worked out into Mercedes and Lewis's favor. And uh, and, and that's just the, the, the fact of it. And now they have a monumental, basically an impossible task. And it really is, it's all up to Lewis now. I mean, even if he doesn't win this weekend uh, at the U.S. Grand Prix, he he's still got a whole bunch of races, three or four races left after this that he can, I mean, the pressure is basically off him. I mean... Of, I, I mean, it's it's easy for us to say that, but uh, it really is true. I mean, he can almost win the 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 uh, the championship at his leisure. There's less pressure for him to do it now, and it's really a case of uh, Vettel really trying to catch up and and maximizing his points haul over the remaining races. And of course, we could be sitting here this time next week, and we could be. I don't want to say eulogizing the season, but recapping the season and uh, and remarking and commenting on Lewis's fourth world championship. So that's a big well, thing. It's quite easy for Lewis. He doesn't even have to win any races for the rest of the season. He just needs to finish one spot behind Vettel for the rest. And at the yep. end of the, the, the season, 59 points is a lot. And he has enough to finish third and... Vettel second in the entire season or whatever the case may be and just the fact that Lewis has the best car right now as well in the entire mm-hmm. grid by far now uh, I think the Burks have taken a, a, a few leaps forward over the last two months as well due to the bad luck of Ferrari but the bad luck of Ferrari you know what it's due Mark and I, I think it's due in part of pushing the boundaries of your car you know we talked earlier this season how, oh, Ferrari seems to have a good car. It seems to be almost as good as uh, Mercedes, depending on the track. But as much as the season unfolded, we saw Ferrari needed to basically dial that car to its maximum and used every potential it has on it, jeopardizing reliability sometimes when you overclock a car. And that's kind of, I think, what happens. And that's what we've been seeing. Now the pressure's on. You actually need to beat them. You dial your car to maximum possible turbo brakes. Boom. Radiator problems. Whatever the case may be. Due to maybe wanting too much out of the car because you're oh, you overdeveloped and now you need more and you don't have it anymore. And the Mercs, well, they're that 
better, that much better. Yeah, it's funny too. Like at the beginning of the season, like you were saying, it was very much uh, that uh, Ferrari that had, I'd say the 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 balance of the power. No pun intended, but it seemed like it was Mercedes that were trying to catch up. And then ever since they kind of got that edge back and had the performance and had the better car, like you say, it was uh, Ferrari that had to turn the boost up on the turbos and really try and get every little bit of performance and every little bit of power out of that car and out of that engine. And of course, uh, they've really been uh, paying for it uh, ever since. But it just really goes to show you this year with Informia. Because, I mean, you, you're you always going to have guys that are going to retire for one reason or another. But there have been a whole number of uh, drivers this year that have really been hammered, really nailed by really unfortunate circumstances. I mean, you look at Max Verstappen, I mean, he's only really kick-started his season in, in the past month or so. I mean, he, how many races did he not finish? I believe at uh, going into Singapore or after, yeah, I think I was at, at Singapore, he had completed only something about 50 of 50% of the, the possible laps of the entire season today. Yeah, I think it was something it, like fifty. Yeah, it was very, yeah, very low. And then all of a sudden, you see that his he's he's got some momentum back, and he's been very competitive. And and that was something that we didn't really expect. And that's what we had really hoped for right from the beginning. After the strong season that he had last year, and especially that epic drive he had in the rain at Brazil at the end of last season, that this was going to be Max's year. That he was really going to step up onto the stage and become one of the, the the main competitors in the sport. And for one reason or another, he just couldn't get any good luck to go his way. I mean, he was having all sorts of mechanical problems with his car. He was getting hit by people like the torpedo at uh, the, the Austrian Grand Prix. And he just had no luck whatsoever. And then you, well, of course, uh, Fernando Alonso, I mean, he almost became a very tragic figure in and of his, his self. It seemed all the time there was something going on. He, the, the frustration was there with that McLaren Honda all year. I, I think one of the radio clips I think I'll, I'll take away from this season, very much uh, like last year when you had Sebastian Vettel's outburst on the, the radio at the end of the Mexican Grand Prix, telling Charlie Whiting to go and fornicate with himself because he was so upset about that whole thing, that whole incident with the the Red Bulls at the end of that race and thought he was being backed into Ricardo and all that sort of stuff. Anyways, the one memorable radio clip I think I'll remember from from this year is when Fernando and his McLaren just kind of died coming into the last corner at uh, the Russian Grand Prix at Sochi and he just kind of rolled to a stop and the, the engineer got on the radio and said something like well why don't you just try this again and then fernando said i've already tried it why don't you come try it yourself so and then of course that uh, that that uh, horrible reliability that that those gremlins <laughs> of course have come and uh, caught up uh, with ferrari and sebastian vettel and kimi raikkonen and just from a, a neutral point of view as just a, a fan of formula one it's been very disappointing because regardless if you're a Hamilton fan or regardless if you're a Vettel fan, it's really robbed the spectacle and really made the past month or two very anticlimactic because it looked like when we came to Spa after the the summer break at the end of August there, that it was going to be Hamilton and Vettel literally trading punches the rest of the way in the season. And they really had that feeling at that point in time that this one was going to go down to the wire again and uh, it wouldn't be decided until one of the very last, if not one of the, the, the very last Grand Prix of the year. And of course, that uh, seems to really <laughs> literally blown up in our faces and uh, it could all be over this weekend. So that is a, a disappointing thing. You know, it, it would have been great to see the two of them really fighting at it uh, over the course of the entire year. Remember when we didn't know who was going to win in the weekend? Like a few months ago when we were all excited going into a Formula One Grand Prix weekend. It's like, look, I don't know who's going to win. Is it going to be Ferrari, the Mercedes or Red Bull baby coming out of nowhere? No, things evolved. Things changed rather quickly. Things went back to, well... Yeah, but I think also what's interesting, too, is over the the past couple of races is just with... uh, Not only has it been surprising how unfortunate Ferrari's luck has been, but how competitive the, uh, the the Red Bulls have been. I mean, they're not obviously on the same sort of level as uh, the, the Mercedes or the Ferrari when it's actually able to get on the track, of course. 
But uh, they, they've proven that uh, they've been quite competitive. I mean, Max, of course, has had a couple of very good races, and he's, uh, you know, he's been able to stick with Lewis Hamilton. I mean, he wasn't really all that far off the pace in in Japan, and looked like he might have a go a couple of times. But so that's been a bit of a surprise, considering that they were a little, well, quite a ways off of the pace at the start of the year, and they never really seemed like they were going to be able to catch up. And then when you get to the end of the season like this, you don't really expect to see a team really make a big jump. But uh, I, I think it's been I think it's been a good story that they've been able to really get something out of this car in the you know really in the last uh, the last moments of 2017. Yeah, no, it'll be uh, interesting to see if they can continue too. Uh, they've been quite lucky with certain situation. Either the weather, either cars having troubles and penalties, and Verstappen has been quite uh, not necessarily lucky after his uh, string of bad luck, but was able to opportunistic. Let's put it this way: opportunistic is is better than lucky. Where he saw his chances, he went for it and was able to finish and win. And we've seen this lately. Is it outright? Them becoming closer to Mercedes? No. I think it's Ferrari going down in performance, Red Bull rising up a bit. Yeah, and and it kind of makes you wonder, too, if you've seen some of the news coming out. Of course, um, Aston Martin, who is a sponsor for Red Bull at the moment, they have a very small badge on the the front of the nose of the the, the Red Bull. But uh, they're going to be their title sponsor for next year. And there have been some sort of rumors that they are looking at a Formula One project, but apparently they've uh, recruited quite a a substantial amount of staff with Formula One experience. And whether or not um, it's, well, basically it's going to help them decide whether or not it's going to be viable and worthwhile for them to enter Formula One as uh, an engine supplier. So, uh, of course, uh, they've been running the Renault engines for the past uh, number of years and Potentially, it could be, a, uh, I was going to say a Renault, a, uh, an Aston Martin range engine in the back of that uh, Red Bull. So nothing, of course, has, has been announced yet, but they're, they're seriously looking at it. And it would be kind of cool to see. I mean, of course, you've got a whole bunch of, uh, uh, you know, big manufacturers in there and a, a bunch more really looking at the sport. So it kind of makes you wonder if there will be any more works teams uh, entering the, the sport in one capacity or another in the next couple of years. I think, of course, uh, the, the big thing will be once they really decide and uh, where they're going to go and, and come up with the specifications for uh, the engines post-2020 when the current regulations uh, expire. But uh, Aston Martin definitely taking a look at Formula One, so that could be a, a cool thing to see. No, exactly. And with those hiring, they're they're actually looking at the possibility of starting a team to see if they can build an engine. And now it's all speculation of what those requirements, what those specifications will be in 2020, 2021, depending if they are able to be successful in maybe uh, starting that program earlier. That's one of the things that Rebel might be pushing for. Is look, we might need this thing to start maybe a year before. Why not start it in 2020 instead of 2021? We'll see if all the teams agree. Why not? Right? So that's been one of the rumors circling Red Bull and lobbying they're doing with other teams. But Aston Martin is looking in the possibility of the feasibility. So very, very cool stuff. And And finally, Kevin, before we wrap the show up this week, there's a little bit of sad news this week. Uh, with Bernie Ecclestone stating that Formula One's new bosses do not want him at races. <laughs> of course, I'm. I, I'm <laughs> yeah, I was wondering where you were going with. Yeah, it's kind of funny, like, you know. What? I am, it's of course, being a little bit sarcastic because I don't know how many people uh, really have a really pity Bernie Ecclestone. I mean, of course, he was a very hard uh, man and really ruled Formula One with a, an iron fist. I mean, he did a lot for the sport, of course, over the course of a. Forty years, but uh, he was saying earlier this week that even though he has this uh, this job with uh, with uh, with Formula One still as a what is it an honorary president or whatever it is, and he's it's basically an advisory role, but uh, he does not have. 
Yes. He's basically on the payroll so they can control what he does. They're basically like, look, we'll give you a salary. Just don't embarrass us. And if yep. we're asking you and not so to do something, what has happened is you that comply. he always had uh, an office at every Grand Prix, but uh, he does not have uh, one this year because, uh, well, I, I guess what uh, the owners of uh, at Liberty Media have said that they only get so many offices that are or offices per weekend that are provided to them by uh, the the race promoters. So Chase Carey gets one. He's obviously the CEO of Liberty Media. Then Sean Bratches, who's the marketing director, and Ross Braun, who's a sporting director of uh, or motorsport director, whatever his uh, fancy title is. So that doesn't leave any room for for Bernie Ecclestone. But of course, typical Bernie, you know, he he sent uh, a couple of or said a couple of uh, anything or a couple of funny quotes that are typically Bernie and. Uh, he, he did say a couple of things like when it comes to what they've done since they've taken over the sport. And he said, well, they haven't done anything yet as far as I can see. They said they wouldn't talk. They would act. They said, I talked before doing anything. I didn't. I got things done quietly. All they do is talk. They said they wanted six races for in America, for example, but that hasn't happened. So typical Bernie, you know, he's got to have uh, the, the, the last word and uh, kind of pointed. But I mean, it. Well, they yeah. Oh, yes, yeah. It's way too early to judge anyways. Like, you can... It's, like, even too early to analyze what Liberty has done. They bought it, mm -hmm. like, in the offseason when everything was already prepared for this year. So they're basically just running the Bernie's blueprint yeah. up until now. It's what happens next year and the years after. I mean, all they've really done this year is that they've, uh, I, I guess they've kind of like and tried to increase the kind of the, like the activities going on during the race weekend. And of course, uh, more presence on social media and more digital products. And that will just uh, only increase over time. But it, uh, it, it has been a little bit weird to not really hear too much uh, from, from Bernie Ecclestone over the course of this year. Because I mean, he's always been there and he's always had something to say over the, the past four decades and uh, the the one last thing that he did say before he uh, he, he sort of signed off and had his bit to, to say about uh, you know being excluded from race weekends is that he believes that uh, Lewis is going to win the the race this weekend and uh, sew up his fourth world champion so or championship anyways Kevin I think that's a, a good place to leave it for this week uh, before we go why don't you just remind everybody where they can find you online and what's going on on SPN this week You can follow me on Twitter at Kev Laramie and uh, a lot of great special shows lately on uh, Soccer Today on the Sports Podcasting Network. We had a special show last week talking about the U.S. Men's National Team with eight guests during the hour and a half to talk about the demise of the United States and not uh, they're not qualifying to the World Cup. And we have as well a special show to talk about the Columbus crew and their potential move to Austin from Columbus. Those shows were... Uh, very popular and if you're a soccer fan i invite you to take a look at those shows but as always you can find the on-demand version of all the shows we do at sportspodcastingnetwork.com excellent kevin and of course uh, if twitter, you want to follow this show on kevin twitter you can Marame. find us over there at scuderia f1 pod and that's it that's a wrap we'll catch up with you guys this time next week and maybe we'll have a new world champion to talk about until then have a great night great day great afternoon wherever you are and we'll talk to you again soon Thanks for listening to the Scuderia F1 podcast. If you want to get the show notes for this episode, then head over to ScuderiaF1Pod.com. Want to get in touch with us? Then email us at ScuderiaF1Pod at gmail.com. You were listening to SPN, the Sports Podcasting Network. Visit us, SportsPodcastingNetwork.com.
Space. Some regions are vast and empty, other areas we call closets. Fortunately, Kevin from the Container Store has answers. Hmm, right. Kevin, what gives you the power over space? I'd say Alpha Customizable Closets. With free design and Alpha's adjustable shelving and drawers, I can create space in any size closet. Kevin, master of space and closets. Or just Kevin. Plus, right now, save 30% on Alpha and installation and earn up to $500 in credit through February 10th. At the Container Store, where space comes from. Where is that music coming from? Space. Some regions are vast and empty, other areas we call closets. Fortunately, Kevin from the Container Store has answers. Hmm, right. Kevin, what gives you the power over space? I'd say Alpha Customizable Closets. With free design and Alpha's adjustable shelving and drawers, I can create space in any size closet. Kevin, master of space and closets. Or just Kevin. Plus, right now, save 30% on Alpha and installation and earn up to $500 in credit through February 10th. At the Container Store, where space comes from. Where is that music coming from?